What's going on, guys? John Hasselbauer here, golf writer for thelines.com. It is Mexico Open week. We are here at From the Tips to go over all the need-to-know stats, important research, um, trends from one year, if we can call that a trend, and uh, just all the all the inside scoop we need to know about Mexico Open. It is a is not a prominent week. It's definitely not a, a designated event this week in Mexico. And um, really everybody who had a reason to not come to this event has not come to this event. It is tucked in a weird part of the schedule where we're really just sitting on the East Coast, kind of not venturing west of Texas and just staying in that Southeast part of the United States. We went from Augusta to Hilton Head um, to Louisiana, and then we have Wells Fargo in in Charlotte, uh, or in you know the Carolinas again after this week. So kind of out of place to put an event in Mexico on the west coast of Mexico in in Puerto Vallarta. Um, if we were still doing Mayacoba, that would make significantly more sense geographically in the schedule. Um, but I digress. We are going basically uh, south of of LA. Um, or south of, you know, maybe Scottsdale might be the, the closest point uh, of a PGA Tour stop to where Puerto Vallarta is. But uh, nonetheless, we have a field. I'm not going to say it's a great field, but it is a field of uh, PGA Tour golfers. Um, and it'll be a very interesting dynamic week with uh, the titan of John Rahm coming off of his Masters win, a PGA Tour season in 2023 with uh, four wins already between the century, the Amex, um, obviously the Masters. Which one am I blanking on? Genesis. That's it. Okay, so he's got he's got a, a good mix this year of like birdie fest wins, weak field. What are you doing there at the Amex? Sort of wins, and then the big boy tournaments, the de- two designated wins between the Masters and the Genesis. So uh, John Rom has kind of proven that he doesn't really care if he's in sort of like a hit and giggle, he's still going to show up and try to win that tournament. He's been like very active in the media about, um, you know, I'm obsessed with golf and I'm not just going to show up to to appear. If I show up, I'm going to try to win. It's exactly what he did at this event last year um, in 2022 when we had the first ever Mexico Open at Viranta. Um, John Rahm was like questionably there. I, I think the narrative was that he was desperate to win a tournament. He was like not qualified to get in the Century Tournament Champions at that time, which was crazy. He had not won since the U.S. Open in June the year prior, so he was going on an 11-month winless drought. Um, Very different circumstances that year versus this year where he's scorched earth number one in the world. Um, Last year, he won this event at 5-1, to And uh, this year, he is opening at half that number, which is hard to believe, but uh, also very believable. Um, when, you, when you think about wh- what price would you put uh, on John Rahm, the defending champion, the world number one, the four-time winner on the PGA Tour this season in hot form, who, oh, by the way, fits this course absolutely perfectly. He's a bomber who hits his long irons better than anybody in the world. Um, and it's not even like this birdie fest where like random, um, you know, hot putting can like spike you to a win. It's actually like a lot of demanding long iron shots uh, that kept the the winning score at about 17 under last year. So 
Uh, John Rom is a deserving favorite, uh, and we will get into all all the um, things you need to know about this course, which start with like, should you just fade John Rom and hope for the best, or should you uh, bet some each ways, bet some um, winner without markets, all that good stuff. So we will get into that before we go any further. Make sure you are subscribed to the Lions YouTube channel. You can hit that ring. Uh, below in the in the description here, we've also got links to all my articles on thelines.com, um, all there for you. We also have links to the Discord channel, which, uh, as always, remains active. Uh, had some good sweats in the placement market last week at the Zurich Classic, although we didn't uh, ultimately land on Davis Riley or um, or or Nick Hardy, who are both withdrawn for this event, which is you know too bad because both of them would have been nice competitors. Um, speaking of the uh, the Zurich Classic, I want to just take a, a quick look back at, at the week that was there. Um, we had some decent sweats, I would say. I mean, Aaron Rye and, and Aaron Rye individually just continues to feast on the first round of golf tournaments. He came up one stroke shy, almost single handedly with with partner David Lipsky. I'm pretty sure. Aaron Rye shot nine under on his own and got help on one hole from David Lipsky. And then when it came to the 18th hole, they needed a birdie for what seemed like it was going to be the outright first round lead ended up that it would have chopped uh, and Lipsky couldn't hit an eight footer for birdie. So he did absolutely nothing, which is very frustrating when, you know, they were, they came out so hot, you got a par five to finish on uh, that would have made you know, a week with no outright feel a little bit sweeter if we if we were able to get the first round lead. But uh, in any case, I think Aaron Rye has stepped up to the task of replacing Sebastian Munoz, some of the biggest first round leader shoes to fill. And he's done it with an outright first round lead two weeks ago, almost getting it done last week and, and chopping it at the Farmers Insurance Open. So he is in the field this week. That means that I am definitely betting Aaron Rye first round leader. It's really strange why he cannot get it done after the first round, but that man is dominant uh, in round one. So that was one of my big takeaways from the Zurich Classic. Otherwise, I think, you know, from an outright perspective, a lot of my guys kind of kind of fizzled at the end. Um, Sahith Thagala, I had in the top 10. Uh, Sahith and, and Justin, so I had them top 10 last week. They were top 10 with two holes to go, and they went bogey triple. So... Uh, that's tough. That's not what I really, <laughs> that's not what I needed, uh, in my placements, but you know, that's how, it, that's how it goes. Sometimes I think the process has been solid. The, the, the prop bets have been, have been pretty good. And even for a week, uh, like, like Mexico open week where you have a prohibitive favorite, like John Rahm, uh, it's still a really good opportunity to get those placement bets, right? Because if he wins, there's still 19 other places that could, that could hit for a top 20 bet. So, uh, I am going to be looking very closely, paying a lot of attention to the value in the placement market for the week ahead this week. Um, also, last week was Live Adelaide, and I don't typically, you know, talk too much on Live because I don't watch it. I don't have access to CW, and apparently, I have to pay for the Live app now, which uh, I'm just not going to do on on a tournament that takes place at um, you know midnight our time when when the when the going really gets gets to the, the good stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure Taylor Gooch won at like 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So um, I want to give props to Liv because one of their big bets that they made was that they were going to win the Australian market. And that, I think that makes sense 
for a lot of reasons. One, it's Greg Norman at the helm, one of maybe the, probably the greatest Australian golfer of all time, the biggest face of Australian golf there was, and and really like put Australian golf on the map and inspired a next generation of Cam Smiths. Um, and you know, maybe I, I mean he's not too much older than Adam Scott, but Adam Scott's probably that next generation. Jason Day, these other Australians who came up behind him. Uh, and saw him, you know, win a major championships and play in the States and come over. So, um, there is a rich history of golf in Australia and, you know, the, the PGA tour really neglected that market. We used to have the Australian open. It was kind of in this in-between part of the schedule, um, where it needed to be just because of the travel associated with getting from the States to Australia. It's kind of hard to just do one event and then come back and there's not really anything else that close to Australia that would justify like doing an international swing. So for a week to week tour, it's logistically very hard to have a presence in Australia. So, and as we're, we're probably going to see, I haven't looked at the uh, ratings for live Adelaide in the United States market. I would imagine they were very low. Um, and just, you know, using the Olympics as an example, Whenever the Olympics are played in, in that sort of Asian time zone, the United States ratings are very poor because you're either watching on tape delay or you have to watch at like, you know, 1, 2, 3 a.m. live to see the competition. So obviously, you know, we're talking about global sport, global competition. It, it, everything doesn't just begin and end in the United States, but the United States is a big market driver. It's a big revenue driver. Um, and it's an important core. And I think that's why when, even when Liv talks about being the face of global golf and growing the global footprint, you still look at their events and half of them are still in the United States because they understand from a business standpoint, you need that United States core. Uh, and so from that perspective, I wasn't surprised to see the ovation that Liv got in Australia. Um, that is the bet that Cam Smith took when he went over there, that I could play golf in Australia. I could play in front of my home crowd. Um, I would have their support. You know, Mark Leishman is there as well. Jed Morgan apparently is popular in Australia. I don't really know who he is, but they have a bunch of uh, Australian players over there, even Danny Lee, New Zealand, um, who are joining Liv so that they can play closer to home. It makes sense. If I was in their shoes... Um, and I had an opportunity to go to the other side of the world where I'm from base up over there, even like stay a couple extra weeks after the tournament is over before my next event. It's, it is very appealing from the player standpoint. Uh, it's just from a fan standpoint, I would have loved to have watched that at, in prime time. Uh, it did look like it was, you know, a great atmosphere, even if, um, the, the stakes of the event were questionable and, the actual layout of that course was like under 7,000 yards in a pure birdie fest. Uh, the atmosphere was still, you know, fun to watch. It's too bad that uh, the American market essentially just like can't watch an Australian based event live. Um, so we really, we just got like the highlights on Twitter. Um, I think that'll be interesting going forward. Like the business of it. What did that move the needle? Are they going to get more sponsorships from clips of this that, that, a, a giant market in the United States was not able to uh, really watch live. Uh, and I'm not really sure where their next event takes them to, but um, it, it is interesting. I, I think you, you could say that they're gaining some momentum live with between how the, the players played in the masters and at live Adelaide. Um, but I think the ratings are really going to tell the story 
Uh, are people tuning in more to watch this? If they are, it's going to be easier for them to get corporate sponsorships. If they're not, it's going to be hard to get uh, their their proper ROI on this multi billion dollar investment uh, with you know Taylor Gooch and Charles Howell the uh, third leading your your tour leaderboards. So that's my piece on on live. But now I think it's it's time that we get back into Mexico Open. Uh, I will share my screen here uh, to show the. Mexico Open Tournament Preview. This is linked in the description of this video. You can also find it on thelines.com. Uh, you can find it right here under Odds Golf. Um, and it will be updated to have the Mexico Open there uh, by the time this video posts. So uh, make sure you check that out. You can also find it on uh, my Twitter at PGA Tout if you're looking for it that way. Um, so this week we have Mexico Open at Vidanta. This is the second year uh, of the tour traveling to Puerto Vallarta. Um, things we need to know about the course. It is long. It is a par 71, but it has five par threes and four par fives. So ha only half the holes are par fours. Uh, par three scoring is going to be a little bit more important. A lot more long range approaches from 200 plus this week, particularly from those par threes, but also some long par fives. I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me, and I'm going to go to the odds page here that just shows the scorecard um, for Vedanta, and you can see it's 74, 56 at 71, and it's past Palm. Um, one of the things that stood out the most to me is the par fives. So there are two par fives at 603 and 637 here. When I was trying to handicap this for, for the first time last year. I thought this was going to be a Corrales situation where nobody's going to be able to reach these 600-yard par fives in two. So in theory, it actually opens up the playing field for the shorter hitters because everybody's taking three shots to get there. That is something that is like a big edge to understand at Corrales that it's not actually a bomber's course just because the yardage is long when the par fives are too long to reach into. It takes the distance advantage away. Um, interestingly enough, that was not the case at the Mexico open last year. Um, bombers were able to get it to go 600 yards in two shots. I don't know if that's from a helping wind. Uh, it's not from an elevation change. Uh, and it's really not from the firmness of the course. So I have to imagine it's from a helping wind or maybe just this past pollen is easier to go like a driver off the deck from. I think that that could be a piece of it. Uh, we actually saw a little driver off the deck at the Zurich Classic last week, which is sort of like a softer turf. So I think there might be something to that uh, in why players are able to hit it, you know, three, 320 on their drive and 300 on their on their second shot because they're just hitting driver, driver off the deck. Um, but I actually think that then becomes a significant advantage for the longer hitters. Uh, John Rahm was getting on the six hole and the 12th hole into Cameron Champ was doing the same thing. So these like top 10 in driving distance, particularly players, um, those guys are actually really taking advantage of this course because, you know, an average driving distance player has to get there in three and all of a sudden it becomes much more difficult to uh, make make a birdie or, or even make an eagle. You're not even going to have a legitimate uh, eagle opportunity when you're shooting your third shot from like 100 yards out. So I found that to be very interesting. And these the data would support that there is just a ton of uh, 
approach shots left from 200 plus out. That is mainly from those four par fives. Uh, but you can also see a lot of the par threes are, are pretty long. You know, we've got, uh, if we go through it, it's 208, 174, 170, 195, and 226. So everything's over 170, uh, and three of them are 195 or longer. So definitely going to need your long irons there. They'll move those tee boxes around as well. There is one drivable uh, par four, uh, the seventh hole, the 297 here. That's actually a very interesting hole. Rom got in a little bit of trouble there. Um, last year he got like a very fortunate bounce as he somehow always tends to get, uh, or a favorable ruling. I remember thinking like, oh, wow, uh, maybe my outrights have a shot here because Rom hit it OB. Um, and he didn't, he, he got free relief or something and he made it like an easy birdie on a, on a terrible shot. So, um, regardless, I like, of course, it has like a, an interesting drivable par four. That's not an auto, uh, auto par or an auto bogey, uh, auto birdie. So, uh, that'll be fun to watch. I, I thought overall, after watching last year, um, this is a good course. It's a, it's a fun track to like navigate. I didn't think the crowds were like that notable. Hopefully they get a better, um, a better draw this year. Cause I, I, I have this feeling that it was just like a very empty, um, atmosphere. So hopefully they get a better turnout in their second year here. Um, having John Rom back should certainly help, um, after he's won the masters. Um, let's see, what else can we look at? If we go back to the, the odds page, um, the main tournament preview, I'm going to pull up the, um, the odds grid. And here we can look at what the field is looking like. We've talked a lot about John Rahm being the prohibitive favorite here. You can see he is about to plus 260 everywhere you look. That is insane. We haven't seen that in an individual stroke play event really since probably the Tiger Woods prime era. It it's, you know, the result of a really weak field, um, the world number one coming in with very little opposition otherwise at the top to an event that he has won before that suits him perfectly in excellent immediate form. Um, you can't really get much shorter than this. The only way you could is really if Tony Finau wasn't here, because um, when we look down the list of world golf rankings, um, you've got John Rahm, number one, you've got Tony Finau, I believe he's in the top 15 definitely in the top 20 um, and you have nobody else in the top 65 world golf rankings. So um, it is pretty bleak at the top. And because of that, Tony Finau is a player um, that I loved. And I actually thought I was going to have an opportunity to bet him um, if he got to like 10 to one. Unfortunately, you know, I, it probably wasn't realistic for him to get to 10 uh, in a, in a, in a field that really has only two like, prolific players in it. So, you know, he's sitting here around eight to one. I'm not really going to be able to bet that, but Tony Finau is a player that I bet last year, probably around 20 to one at that time. He led the field from T to green. He gained like 15 strokes T to green. This is second best T to green performance of his entire career. And of course he had a horrible putting week. He had like historically like the two worst individual rounds of putting of his entire career for Thursday and Friday, basically made the cut on the number and then went absolutely scorched earth on the weekend, um, climbed all the way up the leaderboard, almost backdoored it, lost by one stroke to Rom. Um, but he's really interesting. Somebody I'll probably play a lot of in DFS. I think he's going to go overlooked because you're either going to pay up for Rom or go sort of balanced in your DFS construction. But I, I love Tony Fino this week. He's in far better form now than he was last year. Um, 
the putter really woke up on the weekend for him. So the putting stats uh, are not going to look great from last year, but he actually turned it around pretty quickly. Um, and it's a, a perfect course fit on just, you know, past Pollen where he's won before at the Puerto Rico Open. Wide open course. He can really let loose and bomb it here, lean on his long iron. So really good fit for, T- for Tony. Um, unfortunately, with the price and the lack of depth in this field, it's hard for me to get too much exposure besides uh, DFS, but I do think he's going to have a good week. Um, and then you can see it's just so unusual in the PGA Tour to have this much of a discrepancy, but you go uh, Rom to Fino is uh, about 3x or 4x the odds, and then uh, Fino to the next closest, and Wyndham Clark is more than 2x the odds. Uh, so Wyndham Clark, he's been about 20 to 1 all week. Now he's kind of catching some steam. He's down to 19. Um, he's essentially solo third on the leaderboard, and then you get the jumbled uh, Woodland, Hoygaard, Rogers. Uh, is sort of your next tier of, of sub 30 and then on McNeely, Hostler, Jaeger in the 40s. So it's it's ugly. Uh, there's not a lot to get too excited about when you when you really scroll whatsoever past this point. Um, but uh, that makes it an interesting week to, to approach from a betting standpoint. Um, I'm going to now shift over to my uh, spreadsheet show the model and show what we're looking for um, this week. So let me zoom in on this. Uh, And, you know, I I think just to summarize what we're looking for this week, I think you can go very simple with this. We don't, we only have four rounds to go off of. So it's hard to make a very specific model and know exactly what you want to look for, but broad strokes, it's proximity 200 plus it's driving distance, it's performance on comp courses, particularly windy ones. And then I just always put strokes gain approach in here, but it's a second shot course is very generous fairways. So, um, you know, about a third of the approach shots are going to come from 200 plus, but that means that two thirds of them will come from inside that. So a lot of talk will come from 200 plus that's where you're going to separate, but you do need to be a good all around approach player to, um, to have success here. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Uh, so looking at the model this week, uh, it is John Rahm and Tony Finau, one, two. If that's not in your model, I think you need to run it again because they are head and shoulders ahead of everybody else in this field. Uh, number three is Wyndham Clark. So that is staying consistent with what we're seeing um, in the in the betting board. That always is nice validation that we're putting in the right inputs to compose the model. Uh, Patrick Rogers is somebody that I bet last year, uh, coming up back to back top twenties, good fit for this course. Um, you know, a, a good contender this week. I think he's, he's worthy of being like 30 to one. Uh, for me, that was a little too short knowing that we've kind of seen what he does when he's in the mix of these tournaments. He, he had, um, you know, one foot, one hand on the trophy at, uh, at Valero and he, he really handed that back over to, uh, Corey Connors. So, um, I'm probably not going to be there from an outright perspective, but somebody I'll, I'll want a little bit of exposure to in DFS. Uh, ben Martin continues to play well, particularly on the coastal courses. He is, he doesn't really have the driving distance. So you can see one 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 here that I'm looking for, but that makes him a nice little contrarian play again for DFS. Uh, Eric Cole continues to pop in. I don't know why I have emojis popping up. Uh, Eric Cole com- continues to pop in the models. Um, which is interesting. He's not somebody that really jumps out to me, but perhaps a, a value play. Matt Wallace is somebody that I'll continue to go back to after winning at Corrales. There's very similar characteristics here as a long, windy, coastal past Palom course uh, between Puerto Vallarta uh, or Vedanta Vallarta and um, Corrales. So I think that, you know, Matt Wallace is only three starts removed from winning that event. I think he could, he could put on a similar display here. Uh, Lanto Griffin, interesting at number eight, Davis Riley was nine, but is not in the field anymore. So Joseph Bramlett and Gary Woodland round out the top 10, uh, this week. Um, for me, I just see a lot of drop off after the top 10 to 15 players. Um, so when I approached this from a betting perspective and I'll filter it by my final outright bets, I didn't build a long card. I wanted exposure to, um, the top of the board and I couldn't really get there with Rom or Finau. So, um, naturally I just took the three next best players, uh, which you're able to do in a field like this, in a structure like this. So if this was, let's say the masters, for example, and you wanted to bet the third, fourth and fifth, um, favorite that week, you'd be betting probably, uh, that would be like Rom, Cantlay and Xander or something. Uh, you probably would be overexposed um, with all three of those guys being like 16 or shorter. Um, so it's just interesting that you can do that this week um, just because all the win equity is kind of soaked up with Ram and Finau. I think there's a little bit of value there to exploit. So uh, Wyndham Clark still chasing his first win. He was the first name I uh, clicked on. I got him at 22 to 1. Uh, and you can see the the approach numbers is really what's flipped around this year. So although he doesn't really strike you as the type of name that should be commanding uh, a number that short. He's a different player this year. He's now an elite approach player. Um, You know, we're looking at the last 36 rounds, but if you look even longer than that, it's really been this whole season. um, He's flipped a switch on 
on approach. And it's nice to see he's still like 34th and proximity 200 plus. So it's not like he's strictly leaning on the wedges. He's also well-rounded and hitting uh, the long irons well too. And he's 11th in driving distance, which is going to be huge. If you know, he's a bomber, uh, he can stack up birdies. He is a very capable putter 43rd. That's not, uh, that's not anything to complain about, uh, in a, in a field like this. So, uh, I like, I like Wyndham Clark this week. Uh, can he go toe to toe with John Rahm? I would worry a little bit about that, but he's finished top six in three of his last, uh, four starts. So I think, you know, he's tasting, uh, contention. He, he's feeling contention a lot in the last month. Um, uh, and that should prepare him to close the door eventually. Uh, the next person on the odds board, I bet, was Gary Woodland. He was my spotlight feature this week. I got him at 30 to 1. I think you could still find 28. Um, just a good a good fit. Uh, bombers course, proximity 200 plus. He's number one in the field. He's number two in ball striking. And he's top 10 in driving distance. So all the things that you want to see um, from a player at Vedanta Vallarta. And uh, it's really just the putting for him. Uh, obviously, he's, he's near last in putting. Uh, but we're going to pass pollen greens. People have been able to figure it out. There's no grain on them. Um, just a, a very smooth roll where it's really just the wind that's affecting the brakes. Um, so that might be the change of pace that he needs. He did just uh, gain, a, a, I want to say, like three strokes putting at the RBC Heritage in his last um, in his last start. So maybe he figured something out there. If he did, uh, we know the ball striking is going to keep him in contention. Um, and then Nikolai Hoygaard is is consensus um, fifth favorite this week after Rom, Finau, Clark, and Woodland. So I've got three of the five consensus favorites on my betting card. I'm happy about that. Um, Hoygaard is somebody who's not going to pop in a model because a lot of his results uh, are coming from the European Tour, uh, or they're coming on these sort of no strokes gate, uh, no shot link. Uh, events like a, a Corrales where he finished runner up to Matt Wallace. Um, so he's somebody who plays well in these sort of like windy conditions. He's a bomber. You can see his fourth in driving distance here. He's 15th in comp course history. Um, for a player like him, who's not going to have a full PGA tour season of starts. Uh, I'm not going to really look too much farther than comp courses and distance for, for a player of his caliber. And it looks like he's a bad putter. He's actually putted very well. Uh, on the European tour and on sort of like uh, resort courses. So I think he's somebody who I'm just going to continue to go back to. I, I bet him at the Zurich Classic last week, it seemed like from the strokes gain numbers, we were able to see that his partner kind of did not carry the same weight that he did. So uh, I think the form is in a perfectly fine place. Uh, and if he repeats what he did at Corrales, he's going to put himself in contention to win this event, um, I think at least. Uh, next, we have Matt Wallace, who's speaking of um, Corrales was the winner there. Uh, he had a top seven at the Dallas Bar the week before that. I think just in general, his game is more tailored to a wide open bombers course than it is a positional course. He missed the cut at um, at the RBC Heritage, did not look great there. And um, you know, at the Zurich Classic, he was kind of mediocre, had a more of like a friend from the European tour be his partner rather than like a legitimate, um, you know, a competitor along his side. Um, so I was, my expectations were low for him last week. He actually ranks out number seven in my model. Uh, and I'm surprised to see that the comp course history's um, numbers are this low at 64 because he did just win 
at Corrales. So that's a, a pretty important piece for me as I look through, um, you know, the players I think are going to suit this course the best. Um, and then finally, we have Charlie Hoffman, who I did bet at the Zurich Classic last week. He was partnered with Nick Watney. They had a nice little T19, which cashed us a little bit of money uh, in the placement market. They were one of the longest groups on the board, but they have a great course history at Zurich Classic. So, um, you know, happy with how he looked last week. He had an ace. Um, he really carried Nick Watney around a lot. So I think the ball striking numbers are back to what we want to see from Charlie Hoffman. He's 11th in this field in strokes game ball striking. He's six in proximity 200 plus, uh, and 12th in overall strokes gain approach. So, um, the T to green form is there. He's also 16th, as you can see, uh, in strokes gain T to green over the last, uh, three events. So I think he's trending. I think there's more to, uh, Charlie Hoffman than, than what the number is suggesting here. Um, you know, this time, two years ago, he was inside the world, uh, top 60 of OWGR. So, you know, he's like not that far away from a caliber of player where if he was that world ranking this week, he would be the third favorite in this field. Right. So, um, I, I don't think two, two years away is that far. Uh, and I think he can turn back the clock a little bit. It's really just going to come down to the putting, which similar to Gary Woodland, um, we're going to pass ball him. So that should be reason for optimism. Um, but okay. So that is my card this week. It's a short and sweet one of just five outright bets. I'm really, um, not seeing a ton of, uh, upside in the very bottom of the board with outrights this week. Um, it is a pretty thin field. So I really concentrated my exposure at the top of the board, uh, with guys, I think have a little bit of win equity on a longer windy course. Um, that's just how I went about it. So hopefully you guys found this preview video helpful. Um, it's an interesting week on the PGA tour with a lot of unfamiliar faces and names, but, uh, I'll be hoping for somebody not named John Rahm or Tony Finau to win this week. If that happens, um, and they just have like a sort of average showing and finish top 10, then I think we'll have a decent sweat with, with this group of five this week. So Thank you again for uh, listening, tuning in uh, to this video. Uh, best of luck with your Mexico Open bets.